We'll hear argument first this morning in case 21-1086, Merrill versus Milligan and the consolidated case. Mr. Lucor. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Alabama conducted its 2021 redistricting in a lawful, race-neutral manner. The state largely retained... In the midst of other big news last week, you might have missed a Supreme Court decision that was really surprising. This is a case about congressional redistricting in Alabama. Robert Barnes covers the Supreme Court for The Post. And last week, the court shocked the country when it chose to uphold key parts of the Voting Rights Act. In a case where Alabama drew its congressional map so that the state's Black voters would only get one district. The state has seven members of Congress. It has one district that favors a Black candidate, even though 27% of the state's voters are Black. And so this was a challenge to say that the state should have drawn a second congressional district in which Black voters have the opportunity to elect the candidate of their choice. So late last week, the Supreme Court basically ruled that the proposed map drawn by Alabama, which only had one district favoring Black voters, the Supreme Court said that map was unfair to Black residents. This is also a big deal because the court voted five to four, with two justices who are typically conservative siding with the liberals. This is not a lineup that you see every day in voting rights cases, and in fact, you almost never see. And so it was a surprise, I think, to everyone when the decision came out, and it was five to four. The person who wrote the opinion was Chief Justice John Roberts, but he was joined by another conservative, Brett Kavanaugh, and then all three of the court's liberals. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Rhonda Colvin. It's Tuesday, June 13th. Today, Robert and I examine how this groundbreaking decision was made and what this means for Black voters across the country. Okay, Bob, tell me about this case out of Alabama. What are the details we should know about it? Like other states after the census, Alabama had to redraw its seven congressional districts to make up for population shifts and an increase in population to make those districts more fair. And so it came up with a plan that looked very much like the old plan that it had, which basically had six districts in which Republicans were going to be favored and one in which a Democrat, a black Democrat, would be favored. It passed that, and that was challenged by civil rights groups and by uh, black voters in the state that said with one of the highest populations of black voters in the nation that there really should be two congressional districts in which black voters have the chance to elect candidates of their choice. The challenge went to a three-judge panel made up of federal judges, two of them nominated by President Trump, by the way. And in January of 2022, that group of judges said the challengers were right, that looking at the law and the Supreme Court's precedents and 
the number and distribution of black voters in the state, that it wasn't even a close call that Alabama should have created a second black district and that its failure to do so diluted the power of black voters. Alabama brought the case to the Supreme Court and I think a lot of people saw it as the opportunity for the Supreme Court to really take a new look at these standards that it had used for 40 years. So this felt like a key test of the court's willingness to uphold the Voting Rights Act. Can you remind us what that is and how it applied in this Alabama case? Well, the Voting Rights Act applies everywhere, and it says that governments, legislatures can't do things that dilute the power of someone's vote. And so in this case, in redistricting cases, it's about if you have diluted the power of someone's vote by, with minorities especially, packing them all into one district so that they are all concentrated and can only elect one person, even though they are a bigger portion of the state, or whether it spreads them out in such a manner that they can't really be effective. So if you break this down for me, which justices ruled to have Alabama draw a new map for Black voters in a district, and what exactly did they say? Mm -hmm. Well, that would be Roberts and Kavanaugh and the three liberal justices, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and Katanji Brown-Jackson. And they said that they sort of echoed what this lower court had said that Chief Justice Roberts pointed out had taken testimony, looked at thousands of pages, and said that it wasn't a close call, that there was a very easy way for Alabama to have created this second district. And so the three liberals joined Chief Justice Roberts's majority opinion and didn't write separately. And then the dissenters were led by uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, who for years has said that the Voting Rights Act doesn't really apply to redistricting and that this is something that the Supreme Court should not be doing and courts should not be doing. He was not joined in that part of his dissent. The other justices who were in dissent uh, were Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. And they were saying basically what Alabama had done was fine and what the challengers of Alabama's map were saying would be too much of an emphasis on race. And when you go back to the oral arguments for this case, was there any indication from their questions at that time that these justices would side this way? There wasn't an indication at oral argument that this is how it would turn out. What you saw at oral argument was an extremely vigorous defense from the liberal justices of this part of the Voting Rights Act. I mean, uh, I think I wrote at the time that it it felt as if they thought they were going down and they were going to go down swinging because they really dominated questioning. We're talking about a situation in which race has already infused the voting system. So can you help me understand why you think that the world of, you know, race blind redistricting is is really the starting point in this situation? 
Justice Jackson, who, as we know, is the new member of the court, was quite outspoken with her view that the Constitution doesn't require colorblindness, that, in fact, what the Constitution and its amendments require are sort of making up for past history. When there was a concern that the Civil Rights Act wouldn't have a constitutional foundation, that's when the 14th Amendment came into play. It was drafted to give a foundational, uh, a, a constitutional foundation for a piece of legislation that was designed to make people who had less opportunity and less rights equal to white citizens. And so she was one of those who was very outspoken in saying that this kind of thing, creating these districts, looking at race, was something that is allowed by the Constitution and what Congress had once done. And so what you saw at oral arguments was a very vigorous defense of the court's precedence by the liberal justices. The conservative justices at the time seemed in tune with Alabama's arguments, especially the idea that you sort of had to introduce race into things in order to create two maps in which black voters would either be a majority or very close. And it seemed particularly telling to some of the conservative justices that experts from the state had created millions of potential maps, and none of them created a second black congressional district unless the computers were sort of told to take race into account. Now, the chief justice, in his opinion, didn't think much of that. He said, million sounds like a lot, but if you put computers to work, you could have trillions of trillions of maps. And so what did that really prove? But it did seem to resonate with uh, some of the other conservatives, and they mentioned that in their dissent. So the fact that the court was upholding the way the Voting Rights Act was interpreted in Alabama felt like it was a surprising decision in many ways. Did it shock you? And why did this come as such a surprise? Well, I mean, it's interesting that um, in Justice Kavanaugh's concurrence in this, he basically says, this is the way we've been doing it for 40 years. No one has made a particularly good case that we should change it that Alabama was asking for a a real sort of rewrite of our jurisprudence and that Congress has abided by this decision for all of those years. And he says if Congress wants to change the wording of the Voting Rights Act or to make clear that this is not the way courts should be interpreting it, then Congress can do that. But there was no reason at this point for the court to do it. Now, I will say that both he and uh, the chief justice said that there is a worry, a concern out there that looking at these decisions through these lenses elevates race higher than it should be and requires legislatures and government to look at race in a way that might not be permitted otherwise, but said that that is a decision for another day, and maybe at some point in the future, we won't need to do this. Why was this decision so important? 
Well, if it had gone the other way, it would have been extremely important. It would have sort of, according to the liberal justices, it would have relieved states of any sort of responsibility to draw districts in which minority voters might have a chance to elect the candidates that they want to and could really have led to a drop in the number of non-white office holders around the country. Because this concerns not just Congress, but state legislatures and other sort of elections in which you have to draw districts and maps and decide who represents whom. And so it would have been a very big deal going the other way. Also, the court in the last decade has made two big decisions in which it has weakened the Voting Rights Act and those protections. At oral argument in this case, Justice Elena Kagan, one of the liberals, said, you know, we've already, you've already done this and you've already done that. And now if you do this thing that Alabama is asking for, what's left of the Voting Rights Act? Now, in recent years, the statute has fared not well in this court. Shelby County looks at Section 5 and it says, no, Section 5, we don't need that anymore. And one of the things it says is we have Section 2. And then Brnovich comes along, and that's a Section 2 case. And the court says, you know what, um, Section 2, they're really dilution claims. Um, you know, this is a denial. After the break, we're digging in on why there was a conservative switch up for this case. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Why did the two conservative justices go against previous trends and decisions concerning the Voting Rights Act and side with the liberal justices? Chief Justice Roberts said that there just wasn't a reason given by Alabama that was convincing as to why they should change this precedent now. And Roberts said it doesn't make sense that if you have a law that protects against racial discrimination, that you can't take into account race, that that's exactly how you do it. So that's what he said. And Justice Kavanaugh said he had some concerns about the elevation of race in these decisions and too much dependence on looking at racial breakdowns, but that 
he wasn't ready to do anything yet, that Alabama didn't really make that part of the argument in a way that was satisfactory uh, to him. And he seemed to be holding out without quite saying so, uh, that uh, there will be a, you know, perhaps in the future, we won't need this kind of intervention. Um, That's something that the court has also said in the area of affirmative action. Is this basically a decision against gerrymandering, which, you know, of course, is the act of drawing a district so that the electoral power is squeezed out of it? And if so, what can gerrymandering do to a community? Well, it is in a way. I mean, Justice Thomas would say that this is a racial gerrymander, that it, you know, divides communities in ways that you shouldn't in order to get sort of a critical mass of black voters. You know, the law protects minorities, but in Alabama, it really is pretty much a black and white issue. And so he would say that this is a racial gerrymander and that it divides up communities in a way that they shouldn't be just for the purpose of electing, you know, a black candidate or at least a candidate that is more in tune with black voters. But the majority said in this case, it could be easily done. And so to the majority and to the court below that had really looked at the details of this, the view was this could be easily done. You don't have to draw some of these sort of radical, you know, 100-mile-long districts that we all sort of make fun of in gerrymandering where they, you know, look like salamanders or dragons or something like that. That in this case, you could draw congressional districts that looked pretty normal and still meet this goal of the Voting Rights Act. And and you also mentioned it as well, that this is also important for other states because gerrymandering is an issue that other state legislatures have been dealing with and state Supreme Courts. Is this something that at the state level, people are watching the announcement? Yeah, very much. And there's already been two cases, one in Georgia, one in Louisiana, where federal judges have found that the Republican-led legislature has created districts that are unfair and that they should have created more districts in which minority voters had this opportunity to elect candidates of their choice. Both of those decisions were put on hold while the court worked on this case, so they will be quickly revived. And it could mean that there are other maps out there that will be open to challenge. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about, because this seemed like it took everyone by surprise, or a lot of people who might have been watching this by surprise, is that, you know, a lot of Americans are still still reeling from the Dobbs decision last summer, the aftermath of that, and the public perception of the court. Does this do anything in, in the sense of how the public perceives the court right now? Mm-hmm. It's hard to know. You know, I, I think that public opinion of the court, you could say that it has to do with upholding precedent or, you know, overturning old decisions. I think the opinion of the court really changes with whether or not they agree with the outcome of the decision, not how the court got there. And so I don't know how a decision like this really, you know, splits the public. It's hard to know about that. 
This has the court, which overturned 50 years of precedent in the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. Now the court is saying we're upholding what we've been doing for 40 years uh, in these kinds of cases. Maybe that balances things a little. I don't know. But, you know, we're still at a, a bit of an early point in the court making its big decisions of the term. Hmm. So tell me about the stakes of this past week's decision. What does this decision mean for not only Black voters in Alabama, but across the nation? Well, I think it means that they will have a chance at this second congressional district. Alabama will have to draw a new map that will be used in the upcoming election. If they don't, I guess the federal court would impose one. There could be more challenges on that. You know, lawsuits tend to continue for quite a while. And as I say, there are already cases across the country in which similar arguments are being made about legislatures in other states and whether they should have taken a bigger role, created more majority-minority districts. And so this gives those kind of lawsuits a kind of shot in the arm, or at least, you know, the idea that the Supreme Court has just said this is how it should be done. That's sort of important information for the lower courts that will be judging all of these cases. Bob Barnes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Robert Barnes is a Supreme Court reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. It was edited by Rena Flores and mixed by Sam Baer. If you want to show your support for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do. And you get access to this kind of in-depth reporting on institutions like the Supreme Court. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Rhonda Colvin. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.